Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Marty Leeds Mathmagical Radio Hour, where we discuss myth, math, spirituality, philosophy, science, and so much more. www.martyleeds33.com There is only one solution to our ills and our problems. There is only one remedy to our collective maladies. There is only one way out of this mess that we have found ourselves in, and that is to employ and utilize the all-powerful, all-embracing force of the Great Spirit. Unity. Now, does this mean that everyone is to get together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya, my lord? No, of course not. Individuality is celebrated within the grand, universal, artistic project, and voluntary separation or segregation socially, religiously, culturally, is not necessarily something to be frowned upon. Unity does not in any way, shape, or form require any unwanted assimilation of ideas, beliefs, or peoples to be thrust upon the unwilling. Being solitary does not necessarily disavow unity. It simply can mean a separate but individual aspect of a greater whole. Unity is the most powerful force in the universe. There was that ant that stood up to me. Yeah, but we can forget about him. Yeah, it was just one ant. Ooh. <laughs> one ant. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's just one ant. Yeah, boss. They're puny. Hmm, puny? Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, how about this? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. If mankind is to overcome the ordeal we have found ourselves, continually immersed in a cascade of lies and corruption, that we must be willing to act in unity, live in harmony with Mother Nature, respect and obey natural law, coexist regardless of our differences, take responsibility for ourselves, and uphold the highest of moral standards. Welcome to the show once again, everyone. I'm your host, as always, Marty Leeds. Thanks for joining me. 
That intro that you heard there was from one of the feature-length documentaries I did called Flat Earth, English Gematria, and The New World Order, and I thought it was just a perfect way to start this show. Tonight we get to hear from Maxwell Egan. You can find him over at thecrowhouse.com and on YouTube, and I encourage everyone to go check out what he has to offer. He's got a lot of great documentaries, got a lot of great lectures. He hosts a really good show, has great perspectives on a lot of things, and it was it was fantastic to uh, get to speak to Max again. I had him on last season of this podcast, and I'm just I'm glad he stopped back for another round this season. Max is a uh, humanitarian. Max is a man who, through all the trials and tribulations and struggles of this life, he's, he's a man that leads with his heart, and he leads with compassion. The foundation of this episode, one I called Divide and Be Conquered or Unite and Thrive, is the recognition that there are there's so many things that have du- divided humanity and, and so many things that have put us at each other's throats. And, and none of this is, is helping humanity's overall cause, in my opinion. Um, we tend to take sides, join camps, build walls around our ideologies and, and beliefs, and all of these things offer up no solutions to the ills of our world, in my opinion. Um, how many things in this world are we going to continue to let divide us um, whilst the purveyors of madness continue their course towards our ultimate enslavement? Um, is it going to be politics? Is it, is it the Republicans and Democrats? Is it going to be the puppet on the left and the puppet on the right? Is it going to be the shape of the earth? Is it going to be our favorite sports teams? Is it going to be the, the, the countries that we live in? Um, is, you know, is it going to be our religions? Is it going to be our beliefs or, or of God or, or lack thereof? You know, is, is it going to be a uh, man versus woman? Is it going to be black versus white? You know, um, I have friends of all walks of life, all different sorts of, of views and perspectives, all different sorts of belief systems and ideologies that they embrace. And surrounding myself with these people uh, throughout the years and embracing these differences have actually made me a better person. I mean, I've grown, evolved, come to know myself and my world around me because I surround myself with people who view this crazy old mixed up world with a different set of eyes. And I appreciate those perspectives. Um, I, I, I always... I always learned that a wise man learns from every man. A wise man learns from every man. Um, I have I have fundamental differences with so many people, but those differences are not so fundamental as not to be able to look at these people in the eyes and recognize the inherent sacredness, the, the inherent sacredness, excuse me, of of being itself, the the inherent sacredness of of this this realm of existence. Whether this world is is some grand cosmic accident which I don't think it is at all, or, or it's built from an intelligence on high, the result is no less mysterious nor magical. And you know, even when I detest someone and, and find them to be outrageous or obtuse, I still try to make an effort to coexist with that person and do whatever it is in my power to retain balance. And that doesn't mean that I don't get angry, I don't have harsh words, or I, I haven't fallen um, from my own personal grace. I, I have many times. And uh, uh, Part of, the, part of the journey in life is, is recognizing when you've made those mistakes and, and owning up to them. But um, I always do my best to try to not let these differences infect and distort the, the love I have in my heart and the poetry that um, I see this world as. And that's, that love is, is one that I have locked in the deep recesses of my heart. Max has a project he calls the Full Circle Project, and I encourage you to uh, check it out. Um, and I thought the following passage I'm going to read here was, was a perfect fit for this episode. It comes from the Lakota elder Black Elk. And this quote really speaks to um, so much of what Max and I were talking about. It speaks to so much in our world right now and the, the situation that we see ourselves in. And in this, 
this passage I'm going to read is it's the concession and acknowledgement that no matter how many divisions there are in, in this creation, no matter how many disagreements we have, no matter how many things we debate on, the great spirit, or Wakantanka as the Lakota call it, um, that great spirit has placed us here together as one peoples. And the great creator, the great unifier, God, as you know, some simply call it, is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. It's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, excuse me. It's, it's with all of us, always, always, if you will. And this, this, grace, this great force within all things has given its decrees for us as, as a humanity. It's given its decrees to us. It has given its directives to us. And these truths are locked within the center of our hearts. It's treat others as we would want to be treated. As, as the Bible says, it's the law and the prophets, if you will. Treat others as you'd want to be treated, the golden rule, and figure out through all our divisions, differences, and separations how to live together in unity, in peace, in love, in care, and in compassion, together, under the great and, and mighty circle of the, the heavens above. And this is humanity's ultimate challenge. And um, right now, in my opinion, humanity is failing wildly at those simple mandates um, I had Len in honor on my show last season. I remember that he had said, hurt people, hurt people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's, it's time. The time is now to start this healing process because there's too many of us out there that are hurting. Black Elk, the Lakota elder, says this, Everything the power of the world does is done in a circle. The sky is round, and I have heard that the earth is round like a ball, and so are all the stars. The wind in its greatest power whirls. Birds make their nests in circles, for theirs is the same religion as ours. The sun comes forth and goes down again in a circle. The moon does the same and both are round. Even the seasons form a great circle in their changing and always come back again to where they were. The life of man is a circle from childhood to childhood, and so it is in everything where power moves. Our teepees were round like the nests of birds, and these were always set in a circle. The nation's hoop. The first piece, which is the most important, is that which comes within the souls of people when they realize their relationship, their oneness with the universe and all its powers, and when they realize that at the center of the universe dwells Wakantanka, the Great Spirit, and that this center is really everywhere. It is within each of us. This is the real peace. And the others are but reflections of this. The second piece is that which is made between two individuals. And the third piece is that which is made between two nations. But above all, you should understand that there can never be peace between nations until there is known that true peace, which, as I have often said, is within the souls of men. All right, thanks once again for stopping by, everyone, and tuning in. And without further ado, let's get pious with Maxwell Egan. Max, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for doing this, dude. Pleasure to be here, Marty. Thanks for asking me on, brother. You know, I got a list of questions here for you, a bunch of things I, w I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk about Trump and Netanyahu. I wanted to talk about Gaza and Israel. What's been on your mind as of late? What's been getting your gourd? Well, I think Trump's been getting everybody's gourd. I mean, it's, it's hard to keep up with what Trump's doing. The whole um, presidential situation is pretty dramatic. That's been on everybody's mind, I think. And the whole global situation, I mean, everything's very tense at the moment. It's kind of very up in the air. The energy seems to be shifting, you know. Everything is, is up in the air. It's anybody's guess where we're going. So, um, yeah, I think that's been on my mind and pretty well everybody's mind lately. I uh, still don't know quite what to make of Trump. I mean, he's doing a lot of good stuff on the ground. 
but his foreign policies leave anything to be desired. Um, like I think, um, I think a lot of it, I think what's really happened in America is I think that it's been allowed to deteriorate to the point that it has so Trump could come along and do all these fixes on the ground to appease the people and just escalate the same disastrous foreign policy that we've seen ever since 9-11. And he seems to be certainly doing that. I mean, you know, whatever he's doing on the ground, that that's just one side of the story. You've got to look at the foreign policies, and the foreign policies are quite frightening, really. So, yeah, that's been on my mind a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really strange how this election, people... Uh, they're falling for this like left-right paradigm, this identity politics thing, and they're right back in it. And I just don't see how people can't keep their heads straight and can't see. I mean, I didn't really think that Trump was um, the plan. I really don't. But now that he's been in, we're starting to see a pattern here where he's looking a lot like the neocons. And so whether he was the plan or whether he wasn't the plan by the deep state or shadow government, whatever it is, we're, we still seem to be on that path towards um absolute chaos well yeah you know i'm beginning to think that it was all part of the plan mm -hmm. right from the beginning um i think a lot of the opposition against trump is controlled and it's designed to rally the support of the so-called truth movement or independent media behind him um he's done a lot of stuff that people wanted done like you know roll back the tpp um get vaccinations looked at all sorts of stuff that people wanted him to do you know fix the borders but these are all problems that have been created deliberately and, you know, he, he comes along and as the big fix, as, as you would, you know. And it just seems to be such a play. Even the way he's calling out the media as fake news and all this sort of stuff, a lot of this seems to be in order to squeeze the media out of the White House. I mean, a lot of it's very dangerous what he's doing. And like I said, the foreign policies kind of tell all, you know. Um, you look at the posturing he's made towards Iran, his, his total capitulation towards Israel, almost falling over himself to appease Benjamin Netanyahu. And there was a paper that was released, um, I'm not sure how long ago, a paper called Which, Which Path to Persia by the Brookings Institution. You feel, you're familiar with that document? Yes. Which, which path to Persia? They yeah. mention in the document uh, a strategy to, to get to Iran, and they mention creating a deal that was just too good to refuse, and Iran must be seen to break this deal and so, therefore, we've got to go to war with them. I mean, it's almost verbatim what we heard Trump say about, you know, Iran launching the ballistic missile and all this sort of stuff, how it was a breach of this agreement, which it wasn't, you know. But um, it seems like Obama's put all this in place, and now Trump's come along simply to, to play the Trump card, you know. And I, I think it's all been a play. I really do. I mean, even putting him up against Hillary Clinton. I mean, we all expected Hillary Clinton to win because she's just a neocon puppet and Trump is too much of a wild card. But now, as soon as he gets in, I mean, I was quite delighted when he got elected and, and he did get in, as a lot of people were. I mean, this is this is great because it's a, a break from the norm. But was it really a break from the norm? Now that he's in and you look at what he's doing, it seems to be too much of a play. I, I think all this has been planned. I really do. I, I think most of the opposition against him is theatrics. Yeah, I mean, when, when Trump won, we were clinking beers, we were celebrating because we were like, okay, the witch didn't get in. Excellent. You know, we'd see, I mean, we knew what we were getting with Hillary Clinton. Trump was this wild card. We really didn't know. Um, but at, as you're saying, I mean, it's, it seems to be the same old, same old. And that's, that's really scary. And the, the, the weird thing about the last election is with, with, um, and I don't like the left-right paradigm thing. I'm not on board with that. I don't get into identity politics. But the really strange thing was that I don't understand how so many of the 
the Democratic, the, the people in the Democratic Party could be so wrapped up in their identity politics and completely ignore the fact that Hillary, on, I mean, on record, it was on record, absolutely stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders, whatever you think about Bernie Sanders. But I remember there were, there were Democrats outside of the DNC and they were protesting their own convention because she was, she was stealing it from them. And I just don't see why people didn't get more irate about the that the fact that happening i do you remember there was that it was this really iconic picture and it was this woman who had tape over her mouth and she was holding up that stronger together sign and she had crossed out some of the letters and it said stop her and it was like and then all of a sudden all of that happened and then 2 days later all of those people just got on board with hillary and it was just like, what is going on? I mean, can you not see the, I mean, the absolute corruption that was going on in the DNC? And, and it's just astounding to me how this whole thing played out. Yeah, but of course they got on board once it became apparent that it was really going to be Trump that was running. I mean, this is the first election yeah. really pretty well. Everybody who voted for, for Clinton would have done so because they hated Donald Trump so much, not because they wanted Hillary Clinton to get in. And everybody who voted for Donald Trump, well, most of the people did so because they really didn't want Hillary Clinton to get in. So there's very few people, I think, who actually voted for the candidates because they wanted and respected that candidate. I mean, maybe Alex Jones did, but um, there's very few other people, I think, would have actually you know, wanted Trump to get in. It was all it was all not wanting the other person. And that's an interesting way to have an election. So well, the other the other really th- uh, weird thing about this whole thing is that I remember seeing so many of these people that were um, you saw all of these guys like Stefan Molyneux who had um, you know built their subscribership or whatever built their base by talking about the violence of the state and how the the government itself is basically based on a, a, a faulty philosophy about its threats, its violence, and that's how government does its work. And next thing you know, we see him singing the national anthem after Trump wins, and I'm and I'm key, and I keep. And I don't really think that they're being honest with themselves. And I keep seeing these people just ignore the fact of Trump talking about going to Iran and things like that. And it's like, if we drop bombs on Iran, if we go into Iran, whether that's from Trump himself or from the deep state, I I hate to say this, but those people are going to look like assholes. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look what he's doing. He's posturing towards Russia and everything now. It's been amazing to see how so many people who've spoken out against the state for so long and now embracing the state. Yeah. And the state is the state. It doesn't matter what face it puts on. It's still the state. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know what people are thinking. Why they, they need someone to lead them to safety. Why they can't see what a play it is. Why, why do you need some figurehead to come along and lead you into their version of reality? You know, if people, if people in society haven't changed their moral compass in what they do, then it doesn't matter what anybody comes along with. It doesn't matter what government comes along, what system, the Zeitgeist Movement, Venus Project, Ubuntu, it doesn't matter what alternative system or what alternative government or what politician comes into, into place. If people haven't changed their moral compass, we're just going to end up back where we are, just sheep will being led to slaughter. It's as simple as that. And the, the thing is that if we were to change our moral compass and apply it to our daily lives, if everyone was to do this, then the world would change around us who wouldn't even need to construct a new system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's people's unwillingness to take responsibility for themselves is the problem. And I think Trump's going to come along as this this knight on a, a shining steed and just save things for them. Well, they're not really looking at, at anything. I mean, they're not looking at things properly. How, could, how can Trump possibly fix anything if the people aren't prepared to apply themselves to it and fix themselves? 
and change their own heart space. I mean, that's where it ultimately comes down to. And, you know, really the situation America's in now, it had to happen. America deserves Trump. Trump had to happen. If it wasn't Donald Trump, it would have been someone like him. Because anything that's going to come along and, and be a break from this norm, which has just been war after war after war and more of the same for decades upon decades, people are going to go for it. But, you know, and they just don't know what they're getting. And with Trump, they really, they really got no idea. He's likely to do anything, this man. Yeah. I mean, they may even assassinate him or get him out of power or whatever. They may try to impeach him. I don't know whether it will go that far. But if they do, then you're going to have President Pence with a cabinet of ex-generals. And that's not looking real good. No, no. Uh, I, I, I remember just criticizing the whole this whole election process long before the, Hillary had stolen the nomination and Trump got in and things like that. And basically saying that, look, the both of these candidates uh, and Gary Johnson, grab him by the Aleppo Gary Johnson, if you will. All of these candidates were just awful. And, and people were like, well, you know, you got to choose one or the other. It's, you know, the lesser of two evils and stuff like that. You can't be neutral on a moving train. You know, and stuff like that. It's like, well, no, I'm not neutral. I just think the train's heading to get fuckedville and we're screwed junction. And I don't want to be on that train anymore. And I'm going to call out these people and and call out their BS. And I'm, I'm going to talk openly about it. And it was it's it's been amazing how much hatred I've gotten because I didn't choose a side. I had been called a bigot and a racist and a sexist because, and I was like, I didn't even vote for Trump. It was just amazing how well the divide and conquer strategy has worked. I mean, it is working like gangbusters right now. Yeah, it is. I did a show about it last week, actually, trying to trying to talk to the people and just help them realize, you know, that now's the time for the American people to get together as one nation and look what this guy's doing. And if he does do the wrong thing, well, you can address it. But by buying into the left-right paradigm, I mean, you're just buying into what you, the, the whole programming. I mean, there is no left, there is no right. It's theatre for the masses. Yeah, yeah. And it, what, like you said, it, I mean, what a fantastic, what an amazing opportunity for everybody to get together and come together and say, both of these candidates, everything that we were offered sucks. So maybe we need to start acting on our own. And um, one of the things I've talked about before, and I, I mean, what about a, a tax boycott? What about saying, hey, we're not paying any more taxes until we get a, a complete audit of the IRS and the Federal Reserve, and I want an invoice and all of that stuff. We need to start making those decisions en masse and unity. Otherwise, it's going to degrade faster and faster and faster. Well, yeah, I've been calling for this for like eight or nine years, as you know, Marty. Like my second film was Fight the New World Order with Global Noncompliance. You know, I've been calling for a day of noncompliance for the last eight or nine years trying to get people organized to just stop, just stop participating just for a day. You know, if we all stayed home and didn't spend money for a day, it would send a shockwave around the world. It would be that simple. That's all you've got to do to stop this system is to stop complying with it, you know. And we're the ones who hold it up. You know, we do it all. The order followers, we do it all. They just sit there and write it on paper and then everyone goes saying, oh, gee, I've got no choice. I've got to do this because this guy wrote it down on paper. It's ridiculous, you know. We've, we've got to break out of this mindset. I mean... Change the education system, sure, educate people on how to govern themselves, you know, and if you're going to enter government, you know, vote for a candidate that's going to go in there with the intention of reducing government to the point of non-existence. But that's going to take, you know, it's going to take at least three generations to educate people to a point where they're capable of self-governance. You couldn't go straight to a, a society of anarchy now. It wouldn't be anarchy, it'd be chaos. There'd just be um, actions take over. Whoever was the most powerful would rule the roost. So... You know, that's the thing with, with civilization, you know, like we've, we've gone to a lot of trouble and we've taken a lot of effort and it's been a huge rise in human consciousness to bring us 
what we perceive to be civilization. And civilization is good. I mean, I, I like it. I like being able to um, have access to things. I like being able to have some sort of order. Order is good, you know, like you don't want to live in a, in a tribal society where it's every man for himself. We've got to be very careful in what we do, speaking out about our governments the way we do, that we don't destroy civilization. You know, we want civilization to merge or morph into something beneficial for the human race, but we don't want it to degenerate back into, you know, survival of the fittest, which is what, what we're in danger of doing. You know, so we, we've got to be sensible about it. But um, we've just got to stop stop participating in corruption and stop complying with corruption and stop doing things which cause us to step outside our moral compasses. You know, and I, I've lived my life this way. I'm quite prepared to die for my beliefs and my ideals. I really don't care. I won't take a backward step to authority. I won't do any of the things they want me to do. But it's it's getting this mindset into a, into the people with some sort of a moral standing behind it is the hard part, hard part you know. We've got to find a way of doing this, you know. Education, change the political system, speak out, do what we're doing. But, you know, what is it that's going to cause the penny to drop in people for them to realise that it, it's really down to themselves to change the way they interact with the people around them? If they do that, it creates ripples and it does change the world, you know. But it's, there's too much um, passive behaviour in this as well, too much new age stuff, you know. You've got to do the right thing and love everybody, you know. Don't believe in violence. I don't believe in violence, but I believe in counter-violence. Not a problem. I have no problem defending myself against someone that's inflicting violence against me or someone that I love. But uh, I'm not going to go and look for it. But at the same time, I'm not going to take a backward step to it. You know, we've, we've got to get back to our divinity. You know, get back to the divine masculine, get back to the divine feminine. There's been too much talk of re-establishing the divine feminine, but no talk of the divine masculine. And that is needed just as much as the divine feminine. Yeah, and when you talk about a moral compass too, I mean, I think really what you point to is the golden rule. And it is the one, to me, it's the one rule that has been given to us by the creator itself, God itself, whatever you'd like to call that thing. I mean, even when you go online, in fact, I, I was checking out um, one of your last shows and, you know, I, I was looking at the comments section and it, all of the, it, I mean, there's tons of really great comments. Don't get me wrong. And I get it all the time, too. I get really good comments. But then there's just vicious and vile people that are, are just spreading hate. And I just don't get it. Um, it. And I don't see, like, especially when you have this sort of anonymity behind a keyboard or whatever, it's like you think you can just be this keyboard warrior and tell somebody off. And it's like, would you do that to somebody else in person? Like, if you were, you know, saying that, oh, Max Egan or Marty Leeds, they're a fucking, you know, shill or faggots and, all, you know, gatekeepers and stuff like that. Would you go up to somebody like that in their everyday life and say that? I really want to get beyond that. We don't have to agree on everything. We can even have fundamental disagreements on all of these things, but we can still unify under the principle of, number one, being kind to one another, even through our differences, and recognize that we have a common enemy. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I actually addressed this on the last show. I said it's one of the reasons I want to leave social media, because people take themselves way too seriously in text, and they say things that they wouldn't do in normal life. And text removes all the heart from the conversations. You don't get people's body language or their tone of voice or anything like that. You take things way too seriously in text. And uh, it is. It's, it's terrible, these, these vicious attacks. I mean, I get them all the time. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. I'm just kind of used to it. 
But um, yeah, I mean, how do you deal do deal with that? I mean, do you just ignore it? Because I mean, I, for the most part, I, I can tend to ignore it. I can tend to have that sort of like body armor, um, thick skin, if you will. But you get it after uh, again and again and again. It does affect you. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I'm some absolute warrior that you know can completely deflect this stuff. It does get to me. And at some point, I I, I realize that I'm like, okay, I just neither neither you know need to block these people or or not allow them to comment because it's not doing any good you know and I mean you could make the analogy of um, you're you're a teacher and you're in front of a class and you got a hundred people in your class and they're listening and they're taking notes and they're inquisitive and they're curious and everything like that and then some jack wagon comes in and disturbs the whole class if you're they're disturbing everything else you got to kick them out and um, I how do you deal with that because I mean I, I've seen that and people attack you and, and attack me and it just gets it's really so infantilizing well, you know, I mean, sometimes I, I respond. I mean, I can't help it. I just and, and a lot of it is because I, I care. I mean, I, I want to know why. Why why are you saying these things? Why do you feel these things? I mean, what am I doing that's wrong? Why, why have you got this opinion? You know? But then I realize that half of them are paid trolls anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's whole departments of the CIA that just, that's what they do. They troll social media and they attack and belittle and get people to argue about things all day, you know. Yeah, they can do this because they get you to show your emotions online and then people think, oh, my God, look what he just said, you know. So they judge you by everything you just said in that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm quite happy for people to see that. Yeah, I've got emotions. I'm quite happy to display them. Don't don't come and insult me. I'll give you about ten times what you can give me. I'm a Scorpio. Don't fuck with the Scorpios. We're <laughs> a bad sting. You know? But, but um, really, it's just distracting and it's just, just time-wasting. And it's done just to do that, just to keep you divided and just to keep you arguing with people rather than facing the, the real problems, you know. So you just got to kind of put it aside and let it go. I mean, I'm backing right away from social media. I'm going to close my Facebook accounts. And I'm getting a lot of flack from that from a lot of people. They don't want me to. But um, maybe I'll keep one open. But I don't know. At this stage, I feel like I want to close them all. I'm just not participating in chat threads very much at all. I'll just say what I have to say and put it out there and, and hope that it makes a difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't get to listen to the whole show, but I had heard that you had said that. And um, Facebook is literally like a facial recognition information gathering place where you volunteer your life. And, and it's undoubtedly recorded and stored by, you know, the NSA or whatever. And then it's logged into a book. I mean, that's whether that was the impetus behind Facebook, that is exactly what it's become. Well, it's Facebook. They tell you where it is. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a data data miner that, that rec- does facial recognition. That's what it's for. And there's there's stuff now where, like, if, if the police ever pull you up for anything, the first thing they do is check your mobile phone records and check your Facebook account. There's even uh, one of the congressmen in the United States said that anybody coming into the United States who's on a watch list or anybody is suspect at all needs to hand over the password to their social media accounts so they can check all your Facebook messages and all this. So that's what it's for. I mean, the the police used to have to go to endless trouble to get this sort of information on people. Now everyone posts it on Facebook for them for free. You know, so, and I look at it and I think, well, I only really, I only really, really go onto Facebook to share information, you know, because it's just another means of sharing information. But there's all sorts of algorithms in place that prevent the information from being shared anyway. You know, when you're people like me or people like you, there's algorithms there, you know, they don't want your information being shared. So they'll let a little bit of it get out. But for most people, it doesn't even come up in their feeds. They've got to physically go and check my page and they don't see anything new unless they even refresh the page. And then they might see something new. So... 
Yeah, you've got to look at it. The information really isn't being shared. So what am I doing by participating in Facebook? All I'm really doing is giving the FBI or the NSA or anybody a list of 5,000 people who support my work and I'm putting all of them on a watch list. <laughs> so how am I benefiting from this? How is anybody benefiting from it? I mean, sure, it's convenient. You know, I can go to a place like um, go to Denver in a couple of weeks and say, hey, I need a room and, and I... I've got a, a room to stay within 12 minutes. I can be stuck at Lisbon Airport and say, hey, I'm stuck at Lisbon Airport. Has anyone got a room? And I get one. So it's handy like that, you know, for real-time stuff when you're in an emergency situation or you're traveling and you need a bed or whatever. But as far as anything else, it really only serves the system. Okay. And, you know, if I don't use credit cards and I don't use mobile phones and I don't use all this stuff that serves the system, well, why am I using Facebook? I'm not really getting the benefits out of it that I could, that I want to, it's not really sharing information the way I'd like it to be shared because, you know, Facebook won't let it. So what's the point? Am I really doing anything beneficial or am I just giving the NSA all the information they need on, on me and who connects with me and who my friends are, you know? So you just got to weigh it up and, and see if the uh, the pros outweigh the cons. And I really don't think they do. It's funny because I had, when I left, I had about 5,000 friends when I left Facebook. And I told everyone, hey, man, I'm checking out. I'm not, I'm closing my Facebook account. Um, hey, sign up for my newsletter if you want to continue to follow what I'm doing. And so I had like, you know, 5,000 friends on Facebook and basically only about just over 500 people from those 5,000 actually signed up. And so I was, and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, what in the world was I doing interacting, corresponding and commenting and answering messages and things like that with those 4,500 people that are really not really that interested in, in following what I'm doing. And so it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's a pseudo reality. It's, it's really kind of a joke. And, um, I'm, like I said, I'm, I've been extremely happy since I've gotten off it. So. Well, yeah, same with me, brother. I've got like a combined total of probably 45,000 or 55,000 followers on Facebook. So, and the amount of interaction I get with them might be, you know, a few hundred a week. So, what's the point? Yeah, really. It's not really doing anything except giving the, the powers that believe they be all the, all the data they want on everybody that you know. So, what's the point of it, you know, unless you need a, a bed to stay sometimes when you trapped at Denver Airport, you know, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. I, I remember there was this uh, kind of a friend on, on Facebook, and he was like, Marty, you know, you're leaving Facebook because of the censorship. I think that's a totally weak move. And, you know, and, 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 and then here it is two weeks later, he sends me a message and he says, dude, uh, they banned me from Facebook for two weeks because I shared something about Pizzagate. <laughs> and, I like, and, I and I told him, I'm like, me leaving was not weak, brother. It was strong. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do too, like provide some sort of a, an example for people because um, and I've got people saying to me, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be your friend anymore, weak as piss. I don't want to stay with someone who's too scared to be on Facebook. And I'm like, hey, you're not, you're not, you're missing the point. It's not, it's not fear. It's a matter of supporting this system or not supporting it. You know. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get back to Trump here in a little bit and maybe talk about this this press conference he did with Netanyahu. You know, I like I said, I, I've come out and I've I've spoke pretty strongly about um, my criticisms on Trump and things like that. And people are like saying, well, you know, he you know Trump's really just playing this wicked game of chess, and and you got to give him a chance. He's you know he's nominating people in these positions of power, and it's a big game of risk. And you know, it's this whole you got to keep your friends close and your enemies closer thing. And, and I'm like, okay, well, I I mean, I guess I'll give him a chance or whatever. I mean, I don't really have a choice in the matter, do I? But um, it's you know now he just did this um, press conference conference with Netanyahu where he's absolutely pandering to the guy and this is downright frightening. He's, he's outrageous. He's a war criminal. I mean, he's got so much blood on his hands, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And um, the 
Trump was, was pandering to him was, was really absolutely sickening to see. Um, like Benjamin Netanyahu has announced um, 5,000 new settlements on occupied Palestinian territory since, since uh, Trump took office. They're just champing it a bit. I mean, Trump was talking, of course, about moving the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And if he does that, that's declaring Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel, which is basically saying there is no Palestine. And this will be open slather for the Israelis to continue their ethnic cleansing program of Palestine. And they've only really been holding back because of international pressure. You know, but the, the problem with the whole Israeli-Palestine issue is, is Israel's failure to acknowledge the existence of Palestine. They say it's the other way around. They say the Palestinians refuse to acknowledge Israel. But it's always backwards. Everything Israel says is backwards. I mean, they've been stealing land there for the last 60, 70 years. And you can all look at the maps of what it used to be and what it is now. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a blatant war criminal. And, and they're getting, what are they getting, $7 million a day or probably more now. It's like $10 million a day from the United States now. Um, it's outrageous. I mean, Obama just promised them 38, 38 billion, um, and Trump's just going to escalate it. And and he's he's more pro-Israel than any other president that you've had. And Israel has been put there, and it, it's basically the the whole mechanism that's creating instability in the Middle East. That's what Israel's for. And the people who run it, I mean, Benjamin Netanyahu, these these aren't even Semitic Jews. They're Khazars from Europe. They're converts, you know. And um, I don't even think Israel is supposed to exist. Remember Kissinger said, I think it was in 2012, Kissinger said that in 10 years, Israel will no longer exist. Um, Israel will no longer exist in its current form or something, or Israel as we know it will no longer exist. And I really think um, what it's about is this whole conflict that, that uh, Trump wants to create with Iran. If that happens, if he does move the embassy to Jerusalem, it will create a huge outcry across the Muslim world, it'll, it'll bring about war with East against West, and I think Israel will be one of the first places it's destroyed. And that was its purpose, I think, just to create this instability, to balkanise the whole area, turn it all into a big mishmash, and possibly have three superpowers emerge, which would be England, China, and uh, and Russia. And if the war against East and West does start, forget England, England will be gone. You know, there's too many migrants in England already. England's not a superpower anymore. And wouldn't handle itself very well in a third world war against uh, Muslims because of the Muslim, huge Muslim population that actually exists within England now, which would all arc up and start doing things within the country. So, um, yeah, it's anybody's guess the way this is going to go. But his capitulation towards Israel and his, his uh, talk with Benjamin Netanyahu was absolutely disgraceful. It really was. Uh, he hasn't done anything to call out the crimes of this government. And bear in mind, Benjamin Netanyahu's got arrest warrants out for him in Spain and in the Philippines and about three or four countries, I think, have named him as a war criminal and have said if he ever comes to their country, he will be instantly arrested. So the fact that um, Trump isn't dealing with this and the fact that he's continuing the whole uh, disastrous foreign policy, the whole fake war on terror, the whole situation in Syria, he's not calling that out for what it is. Mm-hmm. So it just it just shows where it's going, you know. Like he could name what's going on in Syria. It's not a it's not a civil war. It never was. It's a covert invasion, being run basically by the, the Clinton Foundation and DynCorp, mm-hmm. and it's provable. It's provable. This is what's going on there. Saudi Arabia, Israel, uh, the Clinton Foundation, uh, portray certain elements within NATO. There's all sorts of people that have their hands in this, and there's been a lot of people do some fantastic work uncovering it. Eva Bartlett, the work she did in Aleppo. Uh, exposing what's actually going on there, what the white helmets are really up to. There's been a lot of work coming out about this. 
And for, for Trump to know this, I mean, he must know it. We know it. He must know it. He can't be that stupid. For him to know this and for all this to be out in the public domain, for him to then accept Netanyahu just there with open arms was absolutely disgraceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of Ava Bartlett, uh, just let everybody know she's going to actually come on the show and we're going to talk about this in depth. So this um, the, the the migrant crisis, I mean, we can kind of see now, I mean, it's pretty damn clear and, and the, the destabilization of these countries, whether that's Libya and Syria, this, like you said, this is the Clinton Foundation. This is people within the United States government that have absolutely destabilized these nations. And, you know, people was like, oh, it's ISIS and things like that. And it, that you lead that, you know, you follow that money trail back, you follow the arms back, and that comes right back, right back home here to the United States. And that's what really, what's really scary. And what's, what's beautiful in one sense is all of this stuff is getting exposed. And if you really want to, if you really want to search it, if you really want to do some homework, you can see it. And so, like you said, I can't see how Trump doesn't know this. And if he does know it, then we know 100% whose side he's on. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to make the distinction that, um, like, it's not necessarily the United States or the United States government that's been doing a lot of this. There's been forces that are working within the United States government but are operating independently of government. And when you've got an organization like the Clinton Foundation that goes in and destabilizes these countries and does all this stuff, then you've got the president's got to try to pick up the, the flak and try to cover it up and pretend to the world like we didn't. it wasn't really a criminal element within our government that did this. So you've got to see how, how, the, um, how they've got to try to play it to, to a safe face. Because if America really knew or the world really realized how, how deep the criminal influence in the U.S. government is, I mean, it would, it would, the U.S. would just crumble and fall. You know, it's like someone said, if we were to really investigate Pizzagate and want to hang all the criminals out to dry, you're going to find that you have virtually no politicians left in the United States. So, um, <laughs> that would be a good but, but start. Again, it's important to differentiate between um, between the government and people operating independently of government who happen to work in government. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's too much. I, I really believe in this, and you must feel it as well as an American, that there's too much just simply blaming America yeah. for all these problems. Oh, it's America. It's a government it's really not there's there's people in there that are doing bad things you know and the government doesn't really have much control over them and when you look at the shadow state and the deep state that exists within the united states i mean no president is going to have a chance of draining the swamp like like trump said unless he's going to address this you know but i mean he could have done things straight away when he came to, to office i mean look at look at 9 11 why doesn't he just get 9-11 investigated? He mentioned it during his campaign. If you if you get 9-11 investigated, you're going to find the Israeli fingerprints all over it, and it's going to bring this whole war on terror to a complete close. Maybe we could um, freeze the assets of the Clinton Foundation and DynCorp and use the money to fucking rebuild all these countries they destroyed. Mm-hmm. That would stop an influx into Europe straight away. Mm-hmm. So there's ways that, that, that this could be addressed if people were honest about it, but they're just not being honest trying to cover up the facts and whitewash over it and create a new path to to freedom or peace without addressing what's actually caused the problems to begin with, you know. And, We're not hearing any of this from Trump. So, you know, how, how much of a, of a team player is he if he's not addressing any of this, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obvious. I mean, if I'd been elected, the first thing I would have been if I was Donald Trump would be lay, raise my left arm, point to Hillary Clinton and say, arrest that woman. That's exactly that would have been... <laughs> in office you know yeah that's exactly what i said i was like as soon as he was nominated if he was really you know if he was really on the side of good he should have turned around and said oh by the way all of you are under arrest <laughs> you know so, and, and people exactly. and people were saying well you know trump he's kept all these campaign promises 
really? Because there was one big one that he hasn't kept, and that's that he's going to hire a special prosecutor to look at Clinton. Remember, there was hordes of people saying, lock her up, lock her up. And what's happened? Where is she? She's taken she's taken a stroll with Bill in Central Park or whatever. I mean, this is it's, yeah. it's insane. And the first day saying, well, they're actually really good people. I like her. She's made a good contribution. I want to thank her for the wonderful contribution she's made to you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it should have it should have all been pretty clear to people right then on the first day. You know that that when he did mention nine eleven and stuff like that, that got a lot of people, the Alex Jones crowd, the the, the quote unquote conspiracy theorists, when it's really just reality uh, theorists, if you will. And now he's what he's got. I mean, Mister nine eleven himself, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust that guy to pick up my dog's shit. You know, I mean, it's like you, it's very clear what's going on now. Um, so I hope the the people that are are so pro Trump are going to wake up to this sort of neocon agenda that uh, the deep state agenda that is really being pushed out through Trump. Jesus, man, I hope I'm wrong. I uh, this is one time in my life where I just hope I'm dead wrong. But I we're going to be heading to war, and that's going to it's probably going to be with Iran, and that's really really scary. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad, you know. I mean, now now's the time for the American people to become the American people and realize that they can lead themselves and that um, the only way you're going to get accountability from your leaders is, is if you unite as a people and start respecting each other. This whole left-right thing, it, it's ridiculous, you know, and it's got to it's gone to a ridiculous degree. It really has. You know, if you, if you say one word against Trump, you're completely attacked by Trump supporters. And if you don't say a word against him, you're completely attacked by uh, the other side. And if you're neutral and try to remain objective about it, you get attacked by both sides. You've got to pick a side. You must pick a side. And they don't care which side you pick. As long as you pick one and you fight with the other guys. That's what it's about. And people are losing all objectivity and they're losing all connection to themselves. It's a huge opportunity for the people to wake up and see that there are no leaders. There's no one that can lead them to safety. It's time to take responsibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do it. We could really do this. I mean, if people would just break out of this theatre that they're being fed and the media is pumping it, Everybody's pumping it. All the independent media is pumping it. They're all jumping on one side or the other. You know, it's a joke. So, but it's a huge opportunity. And I said that right from the beginning. I said it. You know, when Trump gets in, it's a huge opportunity. It doesn't matter whether he does the right thing or the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It matters what they do with this opportunity that this presidency is going to give them, because it's a really unique opportunity. You've never had a president like this in in American history. America has never been in the state that it's in right now. And it's a huge opportunity for the people if they, they can just see it. But they have to unite. And that's why there's, all of this stuff is being pushed. That's why this whole left-right agenda has been pumped so much. And it's still going, you know. And they're just pushing as much as they can because now's the time for people to unite. And there's a really good opportunity for them to do it if they can just step back and take a deep breath, you know. Mm-hmm. You had you had contacted me. You sent me a Skype message, and you were like, "Hey, man, brother, let's let's talk. Let's we haven't chatted in a while." You had said 2016 was a was a really dark year. It was a really bad year, and and I think it was for a lot of people. It was for me. It was for a lot of people. And now moving into 2017, I think there was um, it seemed like there there's a lot of hope. There was there was a lot of hope with a lot of people, but it's even that is starting to slowly whittle away from me because I'm just seeing so much division. Well, yeah, it's the people, Marty. It's the people. Have got united. It's the fact that they're only prepared to unite behind a figurehead that is the problem. You know, mm-hmm. they're not prepared to unite in their own spirit and with the people around them. They want a leader. You know, mm-hmm. they'll only 
with, with someone on their team, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole, whole team mentality that's the problem. <coughs> but, yeah, 2016 was a really dark year. It was, it was a dark year for me. It was a dark year for a lot of people, you know. Bit of a bit of a trial by fire for the empath, I think, in 2016. And the energy is, is really weird at the moment. The energy is really shifting. I mean, it's like people are having their anchors ripped out from underneath them and they're just all floating away or something. I mean, everything seems really strange. So many people are just ungrounded and people who were grounded are, are losing their bearings and losing their anchors. It's just really, really strange. So I think everything's going to come to a head this year. I really do. Um, and it's going to be strange too. I mean, I'm going on a really big tour embarking in two days. I'm coming to the United States, going across Hawaii and going across America and going to England and Europe. It's going to be really interesting to see what it looks like on the ground. Mm-hmm. I haven't even yet, and I'm kind of really hanging to get back here. And I can't wait for it to all be over. So uh, <laughs> it's interesting. You know? But I think it's going to be a big year. and I'm, I'm going to be right out there traveling in the thick of it, you know. So it's going to be an interesting chapter. Can we talk uh, about you a little bit? Like where you, you said you were down in Peru right now. Is that it? Yeah, I'm in Peru. I'm in the Amazon, staying at uh, a retreat down here that I like to stay at. I've got some friends. I've got a retreat called Namaya which is uh, in the upper Amazon basin. It's really nice, and I, I sort of like to come here and regroup a little bit. And uh, it's also a good place to come and get over the jet lag because I've got talks in, in Mexico and the United States and stuff, and if I fly straight in there, I'm, I'm just messed up for a week. So mm-hmm. I like to come here and kind of hang out at the retreat for a couple of weeks before I venture into the matrix so uh, it's kind of one of my bases it's kind of a second home i've got here which is really lovely the people that run the retreat here have sort of got a little tumbo for me and they look after me very well so it's always a pleasure to come and see them so yeah that's where i am at the moment we're heading to mexico the day after tomorrow for um the anacapulco conference and then i'm going to uh hawaii for some combo uh, workshops and five weeks in Hawaii, which will be great. Then I go from there to Free Your Mind. Then I've got to gig over in Joshua Tree. I think. Are you speaking at that one with me? I, I wanted to, and I'm actually trying to make it down there. Um, Benny Benny Wills is the guy that's putting it on a Joy Camp. He's a great guy. I love Benny. I'm going to try to make it down there because I'd love to hang out with you and Benny and, and be in Joshua Tree because I've never been there. So, fingers crossed. You realize, you realize I'll be extremely offended if you don't come, mate. I did. Um, <laughs> yes, I see. <laughs> it might cause problems for you in later life, so I think you probably, oh, mate. I'm, I'm likely to call someone to come and visit you or something. So, am I setting up myself for some bad karma? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, you better show up, brother. And then uh, Joshua Tree. Then I've got a gig in Ohio at uh, I think called Rocker Farm on May 5th. I spoke there last year. It was really good. And then I'm going from there to speak at AV8 in the UK. And then I've got uh, possibly a gig in Ireland. I think I've got another one in, in Northern England after AV8 as well. Uh, I, I hard to keep up with. I've, I've got something else over in Holland I've got to do. And then um, I've got to get into Spain. And I think there may be um, a gig in Lebanon at the Palestinian University, but I've got to confirm that. And then I'll just be kind of kicking around Europe for a couple of months because I've got a gig in um, uh, Denmark at Copenhagen at the Open Mind Conference in September. So I'll kind of stay around the area until then. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll uh, come back to Peru and hopefully get these films finished that I wanted to get done on this Christmas break, but I just didn't get them done. So hopefully I will get back here in September and, and work on the films. That's the plan. What's What are the films? What are, what are you working on there? 
Well, I've got one which is about the Amazon and ayahuasca and jungle medicines called uh, Earth Song, which I'm sort of half finished, which I've been working on for about three years now, but just getting the time to do it. And part two of Transformation, which is called Cacistocracy, which uh, I'm sort of, I've got a lot of work to do on that. And that's the one I'd like to get finished first. So um, that's the one I want to work on mainly when I get back. I didn't. I, I didn't know that you did the. Uh, you've had experiences with ayahuasca. Is that? I mean, is Peru? Is that? Do you do it when you're down there? Obviously, I have done. I haven't for a couple of years, but I'm actually staying at an ayahuasca retreat here. Uh, there's a group of uh, guests arriving tomorrow for their their ten days of ceremony, and uh, I'll be kind of slipping out the back door shortly after they arrive because I've got stuff to do. But, yeah, I've done ayahuasca many, many times, and uh, I think it's it's a great medicine. It's highly beneficial for people. Uh, of course, people sometimes have a bit of trouble coping when they step back into the matrix. They have a little bit of uh, find themselves a little bit maladjusted to society. So I've, I've heard of some people having those sorts of issues. But uh, on the whole, I think it's, it's a fantastic medicine. It's very healing, very cleansing. I think it should be almost mandatory in the last year of high school for people who don't have psychological problems anyway. So I think if people did um, three ayahuasca ceremonies in their last year of high school, they'd never, they wouldn't go out and join the army or the police or the government anyway. You know? Can you can you talk, I mean, have you had any, I mean, what's the any big revelations you've had with ayahuasca? Um, uh, life-changing things? Can you share some of that? Oh, look, um hard to explain really i mean I've, I've had confirmation of a lot of stuff that i've experienced i've had um deep connections with the spirit realm i've, I've healed uh ancestral situations i've healed past life um baggage i've been carrying around um all sorts of stuff man it's, it's hard to explain i mean you never know what you're going to get it's a it's a remarkable medicine it's not like you know you take acid or mushrooms or something and you sort of have a similar experience every time you just never know what you're going to get with ayahuasca. I've had um, times of incredible physical healing. I've had times of energetic healing, emotional healing, uh, times where I just didn't get anything. So um, it's, it's, it's anybody's guess, but um, usually deep and pretty profound spiritual revelations, real connection to the earth, you know, a real connection to other people, a real connection to the energy field around you. It's like, you know, when you when you... Drink the medicine, it's like your higher senses come online and you're able to see into the spirit realm. And the shaman will tell you that what you're experiencing in ayahuasca is reality and this is the dream. Mm -hmm. Because um, our pineal gland is so shut down, we're only experiencing, you know, about 3% of reality. There's so much more. We've got like, you know, 115 higher senses or 105 higher senses than what we have above the five senses mm -hmm. that we're not even aware of. So a lot of this stuff comes online in ayahuasca and um, you can experience another reality. You can see outside visible light. So it's quite remarkable. Speaking of earth and you know, flat earth, I know you've gotten a lot of flack because you've talked openly about, you know, your thoughts on it. And I get a lot of flack for me talking openly about, you know, my thoughts on these things. 
And here yet, here we are, you and I, two adults talking, having a great conversation, mutual respect, love in our hearts, care, compassion, want earnestly to, um, you know, change the world and things like that. And yet this has seemed to be one of those subjects that tears people apart. And and I, I honestly got, um, you know, sort of really sort of pissed off when um, people just came out and, and wholesale attacked you when you were talking about things like, hey, you're saying flights don't exist. Uh, and I've taken those flights. And you like uh, right before the show, you had mentioned that you just did a thing with Jaronism where you um, flew from what Santiago, Chile to Sydney and it was an 11 hour flight. And it doesn't make any sense on a flat earth map. And it's really interesting that for me, there's still so many questions about this. There's so many things unanswered. And it's like people want to make these, um, you know, make it polemic. And I just think that's really disgusting. I'm not into that. Like, you know, the flat earth militia thing. It's like these people are coming around. It's like, you either say the earth's flat or you're a fucking shill kind of thing. And I'm just not about that at all. Because to me, there's so many other things in this world that we can agree on and we we should be focusing on those things and move forward. Well, yeah, I mean, my whole point with that is that um, whatever your argument is and whatever the debate is that you're presenting to people, um, making erroneous claims that are provably false is not helping your argument. Mm-hmm. And claiming these flights don't exist is provably false. I take these flights all the time, at least twice a year, you know, and I have done for many years. So I know they're real. I know they exist. So, you know, I did the flight and I tried to show people it's real. And, of course, I've got all sorts of attacks from it. I mean, my whole point with the whole flat earth thing is that um, what, what if it is flat? Well, now what? What, are you leaving? You know? Um, it's it's always a divisive topic, and it's not for me. And it's just yeah. not. And it's, you know, Benny Wills is from, jo- you know, Joy Camp. He's a flat earther, too. And we love you. And when this whole thing came out, I remember messaging you and he seeing all these people calling you shills and shit like that. And I'm just like, no, Max Egan's not a shill. I don't care if we fucking disagree on this. You know, I, I had a, I have a friend, the best friend, who basically became a flat earther, and he said the exact same thing as you. He's like, yeah, the Earth's flat. Now what? You know? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. And, now what? and I totally agree with him. And and like this is you know, and I want to be that guy that is able to just come out, talk openly talk about all this other shit and not be afraid of any of this stuff and not and not resort to this bickering and infighting. Let's say we, we convince the whole world the earth is flat. Well, now what? What's the big plan to come and bring down the government and change reality? I mean, how, how are we in any better reality? How's, how's anything changed? Has it changed your moral compass? Because mm-hmm. if you change your moral compass, maybe we can uh, start doing the right thing and suddenly we'll have freedom to go to the South Pole and actually find out if the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. But we do that you can debate all you want it's a circular argument doesn't matter how many arguments you bring forth to say the earth is flat someone's going to come back with an argument to say it's a globe and you two guys are going to sit there and argue for the next hundred years the way everyone's done for the last 2500 years and it, by that time the prison's all built around us and we didn't think about it because you're busy arguing over the shape of it. And I think all of these things are important issues. Don't get me wrong. This is an important issue for me and stuff like that. But I don't I just see so many people that this is the only issue. And, and, and I just do. I am not on board with that. I remember right before I left Facebook, I, you know, I, I made the flat earth litmus test. It's gotten half a million views. I'm really proud of that. And I even made this thing. And at that point, it had maybe a quarter million views. I said, hey, I'm really proud of this film. But you know what? There's a lot more things to discuss. This is not the, the you know, this is not going to be the thing that is the point of contention, whether I speak to somebody or not. And I've seen that happen with so many people, and it's really upsetting to me because you have to realize whether we agree or disagree on this subject, we should all agree that we're, f- we're, we're getting screwed 
by these people that are in power. And maybe that's your angle to get at them. And I, I agree with that. But, you know, there's a lot of other angles. And I don't think that hating on Marty Leeds or hating on Max Egan is really going to get us anywhere. And so um, that's, you know, I'm, so I'm just glad that we can actually speak about this. And I'm glad you can come on the show. And I'm glad we can talk openly about this stuff. Because um, there's not a lot of people out there that are doing that. It's like, you know, you get these, the, 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 the flat earth community, and it becomes this sort of echo chamber. And they just uh, call people shills. And they don't let anybody in the conversation and i i just don't agree with that and i i mean i also get a lot of shit from the you know co- you know globular people or whatever you want to say so it's just really nice that we can actually sit and have this conversation and know that hey you know both of us i i feel are working towards something better in this world we want a better world we are heart-centered we are moving forward we want to put that uh, our best foot forward and we do have that moral compass and so i i hope that we can transcend this this division with it with with some of these topics oh yeah i mean I, I just i get really annoyed that people give me hours and hours of video they want me to go and watch you know prove the earth here's here's seven hours of video i mean i'm not gonna go and watch all these videos give me an experiment i can go and do why don't you go and do an experiment i did and when people started giving me all these straw man arguments, you know, 200 proofs the earth is not a spinning ball. Well, I don't want 200 straw man proofs that the earth is not something. Why don't you give me one solid proof that the earth is flat rather than 200 that it isn't something? I don't want proofs that it isn't something. I want proofs that it is something. So I went out to try to discover it. So I went out and I hired a theatolite and I put up two pendulums and I put them a mile apart and I measured the downward angle of the strings and I found one arc minute. Of, of discrepancy and that's curvature what i found was one degree of curvature every 60 or 70 miles of course you can see something 60 or 70 miles away the whole concept that it should be you know eight inches drop off per mile is ridiculous this is not correct math you know you're creating a globe that's like 5,000 miles around and you know something that's 60 miles away of course you can see it it's only one degree of curvature so and you can see that you can go ahead and prove it for yourself so that's my argument with, with the Flat Earthers. I'll watch your seven hours of videos once you can explain to me why I can see and measure curvature with two pendulums and a theodolite, a theodolite over a one-mile field. If someone explain that to me, I'm happy to go and watch your videos. But until then, I can see curvature. There it is. That's, that's it. There it is. So... You know, the thing I want to bring up with this, too, is that it would it would just be nice if we could all just actually get together... And talk about this stuff openly without getting at each other's throats, even if we disagree. One of the first people I had on this show, on this second season, was Mark Knight. And one of the things we, one of the things we talked about is the, is the recognition that there is, there is epistemological limits to, to this, um, the, to the drama of the human experience. There are things that we're not going to know. And that's, that's just something you have to accept. And so I, I just wish we could have an open, honest discussion without this, with, with, about this without people just getting at each other's throats. Because whatever the shape of the earth is, whatever this construct ends up being, I know for a fact that if we're calling each other shills and gatekeepers and CIA disinfo agents, we are going to get nowhere. And so, I, like I said, I just, I'm really glad that we can actually just sit down and even if we disagree on certain things, come to the recognition that, you know, this, this fighting, this infighting, this de-unionizing is not getting us anywhere. Well, yeah, you know, and it's an interesting topic, but it, it leads nowhere because, um, you know, ultimately, I mean, we're still here. We're still in the prison. And ultimately, I mean, I'm not prepared to sit down and have big, long debates about it because 
you know, ultimately my consciousness and my my spiritual journey through this life does not require the um, the earth to be any particular shape for me to com complete my journey and to get the awareness that I need and to, to follow the path that I'm supposed to follow. So you know, I don't really care whether I live here or under the sea. It doesn't matter. You know, I don't care if I'm a fish. I mean, it's about the journey. I don't care what the shape of the place is. It might, might, I don't require it to be any shape. And I don't care what shape it is. It doesn't make any difference to me whatsoever. You know, I, I think it's more about um, finding yourself, finding your soul, finding your spiritual path and getting along with people. And this certainly, this certainly doesn't allow people to get along. I mean, they don't seem to want to anyway. But it's one of the things. It's, it's an interesting topic over the dinner table over a few beers or something, but it leads nowhere. It doesn't lead to freedom. So I, I, I can't see the point of it, you know. You know, I got to say, um, my own quest, if you will, my own connection to divinity came bereft of any of this stuff. You know, it was like I, I recognized that creative force. I recognized it within me long before I'd ever even questioned something like that. And um, and even after coming, you know, going through that whole process of looking into it and doing documentaries and stuff like that, I also realized that I was still I'm still the same. This isn't necessarily about the shape of the earth or, or or that sort of thing. That this is about who who you are, how good you are as a human being, how kind you are, how compassionate you are, how heart centered you are. You know, if you are absolutely 100% convinced that the earth is flat and you're going around calling everybody a fucking retard, well, guess what? I really don't care what you think about the shape of the earth. And so I, I'm, I'm glad you're kind of saying that because to, to me, this this really what the spiritual path is all about. It's not necessarily about having all the answers. It's about recognizing that, that, that centering light within you and being kind and moving forward and wanting to have peace on this earth, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, what, you know, it annoys me that I can say what I said and because I've got that question about what I can see with a pendulum, and I'm not prepared to go any further on it until that is explained to me. I'm not prepared to watch seven hours of videos. I get accused, oh, you're funded by George Soros. You're Illuminati by the government. You're this, you're that. I get accused of being all sorts of things simply because I don't really give a shit what the shape of the earth is because according to my calculations and what I observe, it's a, it's a sphere because it's got curvature and you can see it and measure it. So um, because I say that, I'm all sorts of things. And I, my mind is closed. Well, hang on, my mind's open. I'm quite prepared to accept the fact that the Earth's flat if someone can answer that question for me. No one can answer it yet. So, well, I tell you what, guess what? They're still spraying chemtrails. They're still feeling up 14-year-olds at the TSA. They're still watching us at the NSA. We're still being screwed with our taxes and things like that. And from, from what it looks like, this topic is not going to be the one thing that actually stops all that from happening. So can we you know, agree to disagree and, and get back to humanity a little bit? It's like I said, Marty, you know, if people were to change their moral compass and change the way they interact with people, the world would change around them and suddenly they'd be free and they could go and discover all this stuff and they wouldn't have to argue about, debate about anything. Making, making lists of shills because you, because you question the shape of the earth is not helping anything. I've never opened up a shill list or attacked anyone in any of my, my years on, on air. I would never do that because, I mean, I don't know these people. I've never met them personally. I have, I have things that I disagree with. I, I have my suspicions about certain people. But, you know, you don't, you don't go and do that sort of thing. It's ridiculous. It just creates division. And uh, it's been a huge, huge divisive play. It's really divided the response to the system. And it's got to the point, like, like you say, anybody who, who doesn't jump into the belief system and completely close their mind to all of the possibility is suddenly labeled as sure. 
and 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 mind you, this is this is beyond flat Earth. This is really a, a mentality that is being embraced because you have this in all sorts of angles. In fact, we basically started this conversation with this that you basically have people. It's a left right paradigm. You you want to categorize somebody, you want to box somebody in, and then with one foul swoop. It just all those people are fucking crazy and stupid and things like that. And whether that's politics, whether that's uh, social constructs, whether that's questioning the shape of the earth, whether whatever it is, when you do that and you adopt that mentality, it doesn't it doesn't get us anywhere. All it does is create more division. And that's that's the last thing we need right now. And I said this in the last episode of the show. It's like it's that it's that classic credo of united we stand, divided we fall. And guess what? The division is exponentiating right now. And that's not a good thing. Yeah, well, that's what they want. And they don't care which belief you buy into. They don't care whether you, you believe in Trump or Hillary. They don't believe in whether you believe the Earth's a, They don't care if you believe the Earth's a ball or whether it's flat or whatever. They just want you to buy into one belief. They want you to enter into the debate. Don't get on with your life. Don't do other things. Don't address the situation that we're in. Just get into one of these debates and fight with the other guys. That's what it's about. You know, if people can't see that, well, I don't know, there's, there's not much hope for them, really. And like you say, they can agree to disagree. Now, let's find out if the earth's flat. Let's establish freedom so we can do that. Because that's the only way you're going to find out. You can argue about it. You can bring out all the proofs of anything all you want. doesn't make shit. doesn't make any difference at all. Not until you've got the freedom to actually not offer speculation, but to prove it and say this is. You know, and you're not going to know. You're not going to do that until you've got freedom. So let's let's do that, you know. Let's let's get a little bit more unity. Let's go crack open those governments. And when we're cracking over the Federal Reserve and we're cracking open the FBI and we're cracking open the DOJ and we're cracking open the CIA, we'll crack open NASA too. And then we'll find out. But we're not going to get there unless if we keep this up. And and so uh, that's really how I feel. So I'm, I'm, I'm just glad we're talking about it, man. Max, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, man. I've learned so much from you over the years. I mean, I've listened to your show. I've watched a lot of your lectures and things like that. Every time I have a conversation with you, it's it's illuminating, and I always appreciate it, and I always appreciate your perspective. So thanks for everything you're doing, man. Um, and just keep on keeping on, brother. Yeah, it's all good, brother. I'll keep going until the wheels fall off. They won't ever be able to stop me. I've tried, but it just doesn't work very well. Well, thanks for asking me on anyway, Marty. It's always a pleasure to come and talk to you, brother. We'll have to do it more often. I have to get you on my show to talk about Gematria one day. And I hope to make it down to Joshua Tree because I know, you know beyond all this talk about tyranny and, and you know, with government corruption and all that other stuff, I know you're a guitar player. I'm a guitar player. I'd love to jam, dude. I think it would be a hoot. Yeah, well, you know, I'm expecting you. I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm serious. I'm going to get someone to come and visit you, mate. You'll be getting a knock on the door if you don't come to Joshua Tree. So, Rick, you better get, you better get down okay. here, Marty. Personal right. brother. All right. <laughs> Max, um, thanks once again, and be safe in your travels, dude. You too, brother. Always a pleasure. Thanks for asking me on. Thanks for listening, everyone. I want to say congratulations to my friend and work cohort, Slade Hart, and his wife, Maria, on their newborn child. Sugi Bathia Hart was born February 20th, and she came in at 44 pounds and 1,800 ounces. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what her weight was. But the good thing is that she's healthy, and she has arrived to make her journey on this earthly realm, and the family is home and happy. So congratulations, my friend. Now get back to work, you lazy bastard. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to be having Richard Casaro back on the show talking about his new book, Always Enjoy Shooting the Bull with Rich and I really enjoy the connections he makes and the vast work he puts together. 
Sophia Smallstar, Ava Bartlett, Jay Dyer, Mark Sargent, Benny Wills of Joy Cam, Ted Talks teacher and drummer extraordinaire Mark Powers are all on the lineup, and we're going to be talking to all sorts of folks on this show with all sorts of different perspectives and all different walks of life, and I'm pumped about it. Variety, ladies and germs, is the spice of life. All right, that's going to do it for me. Be good to one another out there. And of course, as always, remember, an opinion without pie is just an onion. Thanks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.